Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here. Hope you're fine wherever you're at. You're safe and you're socially distanced and you're at least six feet, maybe 60 feet away from anybody. Hope you're not trapped in the middle of a super spreader event wherever you are doing whatever you're doing. I hope that you feel good and that you are good. Hey, today I've got an interview, a uh, what's a discussion. It's I guess it's kind of a hybrid. It's an interscussion with Zach Lyman. Zach Lyman is a comic that uh, first came on my radar, uh, maybe, I don't know, 2014 when I started doing the podcast. He was one of the first guys that responded back to something that I put out, and I kind of kept tabs on him loosely over the years. He moved from Louisville to Phoenix, and now he is still performing comedy and also does consulting on, get this, Facebook and marketing. So I thought, man, here's a comic who knows marketing, and we can all use that. Not only does he know a little bit about that, I would say quite a bit, he also is going to give us a little insight into the early days of YouTube Shorts. I didn't really know anything about YouTube Shorts, so I saw Zach post about it last week, and it got on my radar. I started looking at it, and basically, in a nutshell... Uh, in a nutshell, it wouldn't be good at all because you couldn't do anything. It's like the squirrel will take it. Now, in a nutshell, what it is is uh, kind of like a TikTok or an Instagram story for YouTube. You know, YouTube's always been horizontal video, the 16 by 9 kind of video. Now they're pivoting a little bit, adding a shelf to their homepage where shorter vertical cell phone videos can be posted and shared. So Zach has been experimenting with that. He'll tell us a little bit about that in the second part of the interview. And I would like to say thanks to our Patreon supporter this week, Ray Price. Ray Price has been with us through Patreon from the very beginning. Ray, thanks again for sticking with us. Hopefully it still entertains and educates and gives you some value for your Patreon support. If you'd like to find out more about Patreon, just go to schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right, let's get into it with Zach Lyman, Facebook Pixels, and YouTube Shorts. Well, Zach is on the call with me today. Zach Lyman, how's it going, sir? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Just kind of riding the pandemic out, which is uh, it's one of those things called a long tail curve. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. it didn't dip out after four or five months. It's it's here for a year or more. So uh, just kind of having fun with it and, and you know, hitting the internet more than I probably used to looking around and spending probably more time on Facebook than I should. And that's, that's where I saw something you posted the other day. And I'm like, daggone, I need to catch up with Zach. Um, yeah. And it's, you've got a lot of stuff to share with us today, social media and other things. But for people who don't know Zach Lyman, haven't bumped into you online, give us a snapshot of uh, where you are, how long you've been doing some comedy and uh, what you're up to. Yeah. So uh, I'm about 12 years into comedy. And uh, in that time period, uh, you know, you've I've had a lot of odd jobs. And uh, some of that is Marketing is one of the things I've kind of stumbled into over the years. Uh, I spent a lot of time working in coffee uh, and then working for coffee roasters as a, as a marketing director uh, in comedy. I, you know, just, I'm very much a do it yourself type of person. And I put my own tours together and I travel. 
the U.S. normally and uh, kind of like sell my own merch and stuff. So very much like DIY, how do I, <laughs> how do, I do it myself type of comedian. That's cool. And you got started in, in Louisville, but were you from Arizona originally? Yeah, I was from originally Arizona, mostly. Most of my life I've been in Arizona. Uh, I lived in Louisville for about five years. So, And that time you were in Louisville, who were some of the comics you hung out with and liked to go see? Because Louisville always had a creative comedy scene and, and pretty supportive community, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, Louisville's great. Um, you know, I hung out with like Nick Fuller and uh, Jacob Williams, who was actually on America's Got Talent. And then uh, Renan Hirschberg is another great comic from there. Uh, yeah, so many, so many great, uh, very talented comedians. I remember when I first got there and I started seeing these people do their own hours and put together their shows. I was like, oh, wow, I got to I gotta really step up my game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I always thought of Louisville's having some very creative people. And, and as comedians, they... They took a lot of risk on stage that uh, some other parts of the country that were a little bit more simple and straight ahead. But Louisville, you had some people who could go way out on the limb and, and be almost absurd at times, uh, politically challenging, all, the whole the whole gamut. So it was always a fun place to pop into and work for the week. And you know, yeah. I spent most of the 90s uh, going in and out of Louisville, comedy caravan and different places around there. And just yeah. every time I pop back in, they'd have somebody else open in the show. I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. Oh, he's crushing it. You know, this, <laughs> it's the community has had so many stages at the time. You know, the nineties yeah. was kind of a heyday for open mics and whatnot and clubs even uh, to, to a degree, but just a lot of creativity. So that's cool. So you've been back in Arizona for how long now? Oh man. Well, I, I've been back here for about two years, but before I, I lived in Washington for two years. So I've been, I've been hopping around a little bit, but but uh, yeah, Phoenix now for two. Okay, cool. I've got a lot of buddies in Phoenix. Remind me on the way out of the the episode to connect you with those guys. There's a nice a five or six at least good buddies yeah. of mine that live there. So cool. Yeah, Phoenix. I mean, amazing comedy scene and growing. And we have you know uh, way more clubs now than when I started. But like you know, it, 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 people don't really think of Phoenix, but it's it's a big it's a big place for comedy. It's a hot comedy scene, and uh, but it's dry. It's a dry comedy scene as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the comedy's not even whatsoever. It's just a lot of dry, dry, arid comedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So a uh, few things I want to talk to you about today that are, that I kind of uh, fall short on in my podcast quite a bit. And, and I will mention to the folks listening to Zach's got a really cool podcast I'll tell you about at the end. But you were um, in your consulting job during the day you work with marketing and uh, Facebook pixels and those kinds of things. And I'm yeah. sort of aware and I've tried to do it before. And my, my links to my pixels don't always work. And I, I get kind of confused and just abandon it. And I know <laughs> that there's some high quality value in retargeting and things like that. When you have that pixel and place it on your website and different destinations. So I guess start off kind of broad and just let us know what is a pixel and how do people use it? And then we'll get more specific in how comics can get into it. Yeah, I I like to just think of the pixel as like a line of code that you connect to most likely your website. There's a, there's other options you could do, but uh for comics and stuff, I suggest for your website. So, you put that code into your website and then all you're doing is you're telling Facebook, "Hey, this is where I want them to go," and then Facebook figures out their actions of subscribing to your email or like if they bought your merch or any of that. And so it just can track 
when you're running like an ad, where have they come from and what they do when they get there. So uh, it's super helpful for not only learning about your own website of like realizing, hey, no one or, you know, 70 people seem to add the the hats I sell to their cart, but they don't ever uh, finalize the purchase. You're like, there's something up with that. Is that the price? Is that the shipping? You know, it can kind of get you thinking in general with, you know, and that's free. Um, but it's also great for like retargeting ads. So if you have tons of traffic going to your website and you've been running all these ads or, you know, or maybe you're in the news and you're getting all this traffic, you can then go and run that back. And so you can get those same people in ads by uh, doing retargeting. And uh, it, it, it's a great way to kind of finalize some sales. Maybe those 70 people that add the hat to the cart never closed it. You can run an ad that's like, hey, I saw you never really finished your purchase. Head back over to my website. And because sometimes people just need a reminder, you know, it's very easy uh, to open an, an ad and go to the website and then you forget because you're getting onto the subway or you're, you know, on the train or something. And, uh, and you just close out of it and you move on with your life. So those quick reminders really do help. No, I think it's exactly right with Facebook. Cause I never jump on there unless I'm trying just to distract myself in line somewhere. Yeah. I never sit down at the yeah. computer and go, here's my Facebook hour. It's always an hour <laughs> throughout the day, three minutes here and three minutes. Yeah. There. Uh, and, you know, just checking to see if I've got a message here or there that has to do with school of laughs primarily. But yeah, I end up closing out of ads and then sure enough, I pop open the, the thing later on and there's a, there's an ad reminding me, oh yeah, there's, there's <laughs> we're looking at earlier. Yeah. I think it's helpful because I'm the same way. I'll, I'll click on something and I'll be like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then I, uh, you know, I look up from my phone and it's gone. It's just completely mm-hmm. out of my brain. <laughs> I'm curious, and uh, this may be a, a question that has no answer. But, so if you jump on Facebook through the browser, uh, like DuckDuckGo, which doesn't track you, Facebook is still tracking where that pixel is being opened up. Or, or does DuckDuckGo kind of put up a force field around that information? Um, if you're using a browser and you're logged in, I would say it's still going to go uh, because it doesn't really need – you know, it doesn't need a lot of info and also it doesn't need to be super accurate. It can kind of be like uh, an unknown person. They're like, they don't realize it's Rick, but they're like an unknown person has gone and done these steps from this click. So it's, it, it, you know, the, it can kind of vary of like how detailed it is and how much info they can gather. You know, if you go to that website and they put in your email address and they go, ah, yes, that is Rick. Um, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I believe something like that would still kind of track. And when you ha- create a Facebook pixel, um, do you just have one that Facebook uses for everything you do, or can you create different ones for different ad campaigns and specific things? You can create different ones if you have like a, uh, like a business account or you have like, you're, you're managing like, a like a, a business page of some sort, uh, you can create more. They really kind of make you want to stick to having one for yourself. Um, so personally you get one and uh, that's usually enough because you know, you normally you can just run to the one page or whatever. I, if you have multiple things going on, I would just um, 
Cause you can always go back and edit and change it and like switch it over to something else, which like, you know, of course it's, there's a, a time of setting up and changing and all that that happens, but um, you can go in there and change it for something else. But I would just pick something that you, it, that need more sales about, or you need more uh, info about that's like, you're really watching versus something, you know, like for me, it's like my merch is like what I need for, I, I don't really need the Facebook pixel so much for like, if I was just, uh, if I just had like a landing page only for mm-hmm. like signing up for my email or something. Right. So let's say like for school of last, if I'm going to offer a, the business of comedy class on January 23rd from one to 4 PM spots are still available. And I wanted to <laughs> track that ad. Yeah. Uh, Facebook pixel is a great thing to use. Cause I can, I can retarget those people. If they open it and say, ah, I'll get to it later or whatever. Yes. So just kind of keep reminding them as they open it up, that this is an option. Yeah. Um, so, and for a guy like me, so I've got the school of last, but I've also got Rick Roberts, full-time comedian and speaker. Right. So in that case, would I, it seems like I'd want two different pixels, one for Rick and one for School of Laughs. Yeah, for you, you you have two very different things that are kind of happening at the same time. Um, so yeah, I would I would look at setting up two pixels, you know, and um, you know, I'm saying this, but like every day Facebook changes. So at the same time, another suggestion is maybe making like a uh, like a uh, I've done this in the past, so I'm making like a dummy account where I just sign up with like uh, just another email or whatever. And I have a, an actual Facebook account that is set up just for ads. And then I can go in there and I can have it connected to everything else and have its own pixel. And then I could just switch between the two. That's like, if there, if you can't find other ways to get more than one pixel, that's a quick way to do it. I got you. And most of my accounts are dummy accounts because I'm the one that set them up. <laughs> that's going to work <laughs> You're like, okay, these are my accounts. I got these, it. <laughs> this, not, this is built for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's talking to me. <laughs> yeah. So like for the for me personally, my main website, I I would want to know the the contact page, the contact form. That's that's mm-hmm. where I really want to make sure people visit. So when I run ads or anything with, you know, I've done landing pages specifically in the past where they, the only option they have is to give me their email address. I could target people that got to that page and still didn't give me their email address. Mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. in their face again, just reminding them, Hey, I'm still here. I can see where that'd be very helpful. Uh, yeah. So also on the back end of things, once you've got the pixel set up, it's getting some, your ads getting some traction. So that's getting some information. What kind of analytics do you have on the backside to show you things you can improve on or just the results you're getting in general? Yeah. So, I mean, there's tons of ways you could look at that. Um, you know, like as, as soon as we're talking about this, I was thinking about, well, if you, Rick, if you had a video that really like took off, you know, you can also just uh, using the Facebook pixel is helpful with this. But I'm also saying that if you have a video that takes off, you can then run an ad to people that watched 80% of that video. Uh, And that's another way of like retargeting the same group. And so, um, yeah, I, I think using that information of how many people watched and then like looking at like add to cart subscribers, you know, these are numbers that I always look at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always, if you have some kind of version of an add to cart, that's like my, the main number I pay attention to, because if you have zero add to carts and you have zero, it's like, okay, I'm doing something wrong right away from the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
And then maybe it's the ad itself. You know, maybe it's uh, like I had a friend recently that where I was, I was helping him out with his ads and uh, he was doing this thing where he was, he was like, if you do this challenge, he, he owns a gym and he's like, if you do this challenge and uh, you don't, uh, you don't finish this challenge, I will give you money. You know, like I will give you money if you don't see the result. And the way his ad was worded, it seemed as if people had to pay him that money. You know, it was very much this, like, just a miscommunication from day one situation. And, um, and so he was like, oh, I got to just change this ad. And then immediately he got the ad to carts and got the, the final, you know, but it was like just from the beginning. So those are the stages that I look at. And then when I'm getting all those ad to carts and they're not closing, then I go, is it the price? Is it shipping? Or is it the photos on the website? You know, or how easy is the website? And I, I, I started just kind of like picking apart like every single stage as a customer mm-hmm. using using Facebook Pixel and uh, uh, Facebook Ad Manager is another big one. So, gotcha. And I think the useful thing too with I mean, there's a lot of useful things with the analytics on the back end. You know, the the how long they watch the video for. If, if nobody watches more than eighty percent of it, then just make it twenty percent shorter. Or, yeah. or, or maybe 30% shorter. So <laughs> people see all of it because that, yeah. that is a, like a, a bell going off for Facebook. Like, Hey, people are watching the whole thing. Let's, let's put it out to more people. Right. Uh, and Facebook obviously wants your ad to succeed because they get paid when you're running ads. So they, they're going to do everything on their side of it to show it to the right people and mm-hmm. then retarget to those people again, hoping to convert. Cause the other thing too, with that, uh, you know, just there's a million things you can do with Facebook ads, but seeing, how you set up the ad to succeed in the first place, whether it's just, you want a general reach, you want a lot of people to see it, you want a lot of people to click on it, or you want a lot of people to sign up. There's all these different Mm -hmm. things that determine how you're paying for your ad. And I think the mistake some people make is they try to find the thing that costs them the least, but that also might be the the thing that gives you the least amount of customers and return on your investment. Yeah. Like uh, that's, yeah, you're exactly right. And that's something I look at is, um, like if I like if I never ran an ad for you before and we're going to start doing this campaign, st- step one to build like the right audience and make sure I'm running it to the right people is I'll take like some good ads that we all decide that the photos or the video is great. Um, and then I run it using just like a cost per click. So that's how we're paying for it. And I just try to get like a really low cost per click. So I'll try to get it down to like, you know, depending on your industry, but you know, as cheap as possible pennies, right? It's the goal. Um, And then that just tells me, okay, there's interest here. There is interest. But at the same time, just because there's thousands of people clicking a link doesn't really mean that thousands of people want to buy it. Um, it just means that a lot of people saw it and enough clicked. So it gives me the gauge that we're heading in the right direction, but it doesn't a hundred percent mean that, uh, as soon as we switch it over to set up to, uh, track purchases that people are going to be like, yeah, in a hundred percent sign up. Um, so I always like suggest of like, those are the stages, build your audience using the cost per click when, and getting that cheaply that info and learning about the ad to carts and then later switching when you build the ad out, switching it to uh, tracking ad to carts or tracking purchases. Um, because those numbers, 
they could be the same numbers, but how you're going to see them in the ad manager could uh, could scare you really because you're you're like thousands of people pennies per click and then they switch it over to it's forty dollars a purchase you know like and they could be the same numbers but it, it's just right. like how much cost to get there so I like that I mean if you started with the second phase with the per purchase then you you may not see any results in your ad because people haven't got to know you enough to make that purchase yeah and so you may yeah. never pay that rate but nobody's bought your thing either but I like the idea of building that audience of people you can retarget. So here's a broad group of people who kind of are interested in what I'm in. I'm going to retarget now and get to see who's going to buy. And so I'm going to send the ad just to those people that saw the first one, but now there's a call to action to purchase or what have you. Yeah. You're not trying to do that with a bunch of general people who might click on it and bump out, which will just tell the analytics that your ad was bad when maybe it wasn't, it just wasn't going to the right people within that, that group, the subset in that group. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, uh, when I, when I look at the data, like before I make that switch or I do any of those changes while I'm still in the cost per click area, I look at, is it men that are 25 to 35 that seem to be clicking the most, you know, and then I narrow that down because then when you switch over, uh, that's going to help you because then it's only going to show to people that truly are interested and uh, for like, you know, comics or anyone that's like starting a business, like when you're in the early stages and you don't have, you're not in Forbes magazine or GQ or something where like people have kind of heard of the name, um, you know, you're starting from scratch. And so I'm always like, uh, when I talk to people, I'm like, let's just drive as much as possible. Let's be as broad as possible, you know, all age range, everyone's welcome and then start there and exactly like build it where it's like, okay, these are the people mostly interested. But again, I could turn around and just do the retargeting for broad again and be like, maybe there is a 19 year old in Nebraska that's really interested in my hats. And, uh, and you're not going to miss those tiny little sales. Um, so like, those are like things that I run constantly is like maybe a very targeted ad. And then I also have like a broader ad that's kind of getting everyone at like a low, low cost. Like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to uh, pick up all the things that we're missing. So, yeah, I like that. And you know, if you're looking at the, the sales in terms of a gig, you know, if you're a corporate speaker and you're making several grand on a gig, then it may not be a big deal if you're getting qualified leads at 15, 20 bucks a piece. Yeah. Uh, to spend that much. And and then even if it's not time for them to buy, you've collected their information and you can hit them up when it is time to buy. So lots of different ways to look at it. And, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of experimenting with the broad group first to see if there's general interest, kind of a proof of concept, you know, yeah. idea. Yeah. I, I have friends that have businesses that, uh, where they, they, when they get a customer, you know, they know that it's going to be a long term, not just this one gig. So they look at it very much mm-hmm. that way, where it's like the returning revenue of it. So if, you know, it costs them $300 to close that deal, they're like, no sweat off their back because they're like, it's, you know, I'm going to immediately make 600 and then going to, that's going to continue, you know? So, um, I, yeah, like don't get scared of those numbers, but you know, I, I've also worked, like I've said in coffee for so long where you're selling bags of coffee and you're like, I have to get it at this low, you know, you really have to know what you're doing to sell because, you know, you're selling a $18 bag of coffee and uh, you only have so much money available in that margin to really push towards ads. Yeah, it's true. You know, I always tell people in my business class, it, it, 
costs the same amount of money to run a bad ad as it does to do a great ad. <laughs> yeah. As yeah, it is Facebook for a, a $5 it. product as it is for a $5,000 product. You know, it's, it's costing you the same, you know, initially anyway to run those ads. So why not have, you know, you don't have too many calls to action like the the menu at the cheesecake factory where the people are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's 75, but, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I always think it's nice to give them a second option in there. Like, Oh, like, I don't have the hundred bucks, but I've got the 20 bucks or something. Right. Because or reduce of, it to the ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Of just like a dollar a day type of thing. So, yeah, I like that idea too. You, that's coffee talk right there. Isn't it for any <laughs> yeah. <of> the day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't work for Starbucks. So that's five bucks a time. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny, man. Um, and I know you've got a uh, a downloadable kind of tip sheet for people who are kind of interested in this stuff, too. So I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I spent like nine months putting this this uh, PDF together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just like really for my own sake, just like, you know, in comedy where it's like when you're all of a sudden you're teaching a comedy class or something, or you're kind of like reevaluating, like, how do I write jokes or how do I, you know, uh, I was doing that with ads over the last year of just like, how, what is my process? Because like, it's all in my head and I've been doing it for so long and I've never really put it down on paper of exactly how I work through things. Um, so it was nice. And I kind of made it just into a step-by-step guide and each page is just kind of like, Hey, we're at this stage right now. And these are things that I'm looking at and these are numbers. And then I also give you like a guideline of how long I normally spend in that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a week to two weeks or, you know, and then I even will put in there, uh, like, you know, repeat this process because it's like, you know, you finish one ad and you're like, great. And then you got to start over. But now you have so much information. So it's kind of like you can go through it at all stages of ads and look at it. Gotcha. And I'll just uh, see if you have the same frustration I do sometimes with Facebook ads to where they want to really limit how much text is on the, the image. Yeah. But yet they're like, hey, if you have subtitles, it really helps sell things. So the <laughs> subtitles in the video is like, I can't even yeah. get a thumbnail of the video because I've got a subtitle in there and you're penalizing me because it takes up two of the nine squares in your grid. Like, those things would just take years off my life when I try to put the ad together sometimes. So. Oh man. Well, I, you know, one of the frustrations is, uh, is I'm always scared about uh, an ad being turned down. Like that's like just in general turned down is like my biggest fear because uh, uh, people that run ads all the time know that uh, Facebook will just be like, yeah, not this one. <laughs> You're like, why not this one? And they're like, yeah, I don't know. And you're like, great. That's super helpful for me creating the next one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's good for giving you their feedback and what what uh, they're not going to do for you, but they're not going to tell you how to make it better for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No advice. <laughs> yeah, we are all just working for the machines at this point. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought long and hard about that this morning. It's like we are just feeding the machines stuff that that turn us against each other sometimes. You know, <laughs> so uh, it's already happened. George Orwell was way ahead of his time. <laughs> You sound uh, like you've been in quarantine, Rick. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, I don't even know that quarantine works. I saw this morning that two uh, bears or what were they? Uh, gorillas in the San Diego Zoo got COVID. I'm like, they've been in quarantine for 20 years, and they put, <laughs> how'd they get it? Who put the Q-tip up their nose? This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, these bears are like, come on, weird I'm bears. Gonna... When are we gonna get the vaccine in, in the Q4 of 2028? We're bears. Yeah. We're gorillas in the zoo. If we're not essential, who yeah. is? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm gonna Google their symptoms. I want to know what 
They were coughing and sneezing. <laughs> Apparently, they got it from one of the workers who was wearing oh, no. a mask, but the gorillas weren't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so, hard to get them to wear the mask. Yeah, I only want to, <laughs> only want to try. Yeah. So I, I guess with the other eight gorillas in the enclosure, they're testing the, uh, their feces for uh, evidence of COVID-19, which would be the one time we're not having your sense of smell would come in handy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So we're either working for the machines or the gorillas. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows, man. Hey, I didn't mean to break into the middle. Well, I did totally meant to break into the middle of podcast because if you're listening to this anywhere close to the date of release, I have an online virtual Let's call it virtual because online means it's always there. This is a virtual afternoon business of comedy workshop. I usually do this once a year live, but because of the restrictions of the pandemic, I'm not able to do that. But this might be a blessing in disguise because now anybody anywhere can get this information. And let me tell you, it's full of information. It's January 23rd from 1 to 4 p.m. Central Time in the year of our Lord 2021. And what this is, and people say, when should I take this class? I'm not a full-time comedian yet, or I haven't even started comedy yet. I'm just kind of thinking about it. Well, you can take this class anytime, because what I do is I walk you through all the phases of becoming a stand-up comedian, from how you get started, the opening levels, the open mics, moving into the MC feature, headlining position, going from clubs to theaters, theaters to arenas, arenas to your Netflix. Well, you might not get a Netflix special, although some people that have been on our podcast sure have. Hey, in short, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's no question off limits. I'll give you 100% truth, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And we're going to cover a lot. We're going to cover getting paid, the different niches you can work in outside of comedy clubs, how do you self-promote virtual work and how you do that the best way and get your name out there, websites, taxes, merchandise, ways you can make passive income from comedy, from not being on stage in front of people, because guess what? Sometimes you can't do that, as we found out. I'll talk about getting played on Sirius XM Radio, how you approach dry bar folks to try to get a comedy special. All of these things will be in our workshop. And here's the big thing. If none of this applies to you, but you still have questions, you can send those to me in advance of Saturday, January 23rd, or even ask me that day. And if I don't have the answer, I'll talk to somebody and find out for you. That's what I'm going to do. So if you're looking to get booked at clubs, I'll talk about what clubs are looking for and some specific clubs, who to contact, when to contact them, what they want to see, what they don't want to see, and why you only have one shot. So you should probably find this information out and don't blow it. Lots of good stuff. There'll be a big old thick workbook PDF you can download. It'll be over 50 pages of information. So the stuff that doesn't apply today, but maybe does next year, you can pick up that workbook, get the info and apply it. All right. We have room, but we don't have a ton of room. So if you want to get involved with that, go to schooloflast.com. Click on the top tab underneath Upcoming Classes. It'll say Virtual Events. The third offering on there will be the Business of Comedy Workshop. If that's too complex, shoot me an email, schooloflast at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the episode with Zach Lyman. YouTube has a, a new thing they're kind of rolling out to kind of harness the what's working for TikTok and Instagram stories as, as far as the vertical video on your phone. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've experimented with that a little bit. Uh, just give us a little overview of what that is and maybe how comedians can use it and what you've learned so far. Yeah. Just like uh, most things happening right now, everyone has like some kind of vertical video, 10 second version thing. 
uh, YouTube shorts is what they're, they're running with. And it is in beta testing and they don't have, from my understanding right now in where I live, I don't have an app for YouTube shorts, but uh, so I'm using the regular YouTube app. And then all I'm doing is I'm taking the TikToks that I make and the Instagram reels, and then I'm uploading them to my YouTube channel. And I'm just tagging them YouTube shorts, shorts in the tags when I upload them. And then I'm sure it sees that's a vertical video and just puts them in this different category. And I started playing around with this because uh, I heard about it. And then I was already playing with making a TikTok and then putting it on Instagram. Then I was also turning around and I was putting it on Pinterest. And then I was then putting it on now YouTube shorts. And I was just kind of seeing like, where does the traffic come from? Because the downside of having something on Instagram or on TikTok is that it's not really searchable by Google. Um, so that's what I'm really loving about YouTube shorts is because now it's in Google and, and they love YouTube. So of course it's going to be at the top of whatever category. Um, but yeah, like first day I uploaded just a short little joke, uh, about my car and within, um, 24 hours, maybe I got 600 views and I was like, that's great. You know? Um, and then I got some thumbs up and I got a couple of subscribers. So I was like, that's cool. So then I just, you know, the next day I upload two or three and then the following day I did another two or three. And then by the third day in, I had a video that got, um, what was it? Like 6,000 views right away, just like immediately to 6,000. And it still gets views here and there, but that's what I'm noticing is that like, it's almost just to the immediate bump within 24 to 48 hours. And then it kind of trickles out. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just turning around and putting all the content that I've been making for the last two years on there. And uh, I'm getting, I think I've gotten in the last like 10 days, like maybe nine or 10 subscribers and I've gotten uh, maybe 10,000 views or more, maybe 11,000 now. But, you know, it's like every time I look at it, there's like one of the videos has another 200 views here and there. And it's just like traction that I don't don't see anywhere else on YouTube and and the ability of the searchable. uh, I can look in the analytics, too, and see that it's all from YouTube shorts. So. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. So what I like about shorts is it's primarily in the back of my mind, a way to drive more s- subscribers, you know, because mm-hmm. getting, getting a typical video shared with a big bump like that, 600 views or 6,000 views takes a lot of work to typically do that on, on YouTube. Yeah. But if they're putting it on what they call their different shelf, like if you put on your Facebook app, you see like the s- stories are at the top or whatever they call them. And, and that's a different shelf. So it's a different shelf on the homepage of YouTube that features these shorts. So if something happens to land there, then you're, it's showing it to everybody who logs on to, to YouTube that day. Yeah. So you can potentially get a huge bump. Um, and of course someone else that's already up on that shelf, resharing something from you is another way to get that extra traction. Uh, what I'm curious about is in your short videos, do you have a call to action to subscribe? Do you drop that in with just the clickable thing you typically do on a Facebook video or is it automatically people just go in there and say, I like this guy. Yeah, they they just been, uh, you know, just like a YouTube video, they have all the ups and downs and the subscribe button right there. And uh, I haven't been pushing subscribe or, you know, making that call to action at all, uh, you know, because I'm just like testing. So I'll just even the bios I've been playing around with of like, this is a clip from this or like, you know, trying to think of SEO of like, 
what angle they could be searching and helping and then just having like a link to my website. Uh, because in my mind, that's all I was doing it for was a link to my website and just have more traction. But, but yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, this is a, I'm 10 days in, let's make this like a real thing. So now I'm kind of like planning it out more of like, I'm going to build a nice bio for the shorts. And then I'm also going to like maybe edit the videos and add a, at the end, Hey, hit subscribe. It's right there type of thing. So. So when you say a bio for the shorts, are, are you show, saying that it shows it on a certain page where you could have your little blurb about you, just like your your home page on your on your uh, YouTube channel? Just yeah, a little you can, bit. just like a, like a podcast, like you have show notes. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing, it, um, and you can you can just kind of throw anything in there. So I, I think what I want to do is kind of build things that are they're clearly. You know, it, it, and the goal is at some point this is going to be all mobile, right? So um, I, I'm building the description, thinking about that of like what is good on mobile, where should they head, how should they, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe push them all to Spotify to listen to the podcast or something, and just kind of building out the links and uh, the word choices that I'm going to use in the description of like because when I when I post like a video of any sort. Um, like let's say let's say it's a joke or whatever. I I I start it with comedian Zach Lyman, so that way it's SEO of like comedy mm-hmm. Zach Lyman, and then you know I lead into like about the joke, but like the word choices is maybe something I used Google keywords or something, and I found the right words that are highly searched to put them all together. So then it helps boost it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking about that more of like building out like what are searchable words on mobile. So, so I can kind of help out like when they're not on YouTube and they're just like in Google on their phone searching for something. Gotcha. And that's like all those links being able to put into the bio is a huge advantage over Instagram because Instagram with external links, if I remember correctly, limits you to one basically in your, in your little blurb at the top and in your actual post, it limits it to hashtags for the most part. It's hard to link outside of Instagram yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. And the and other thing, I, yeah. The oh, I, I didn't mean cut you off. I've already forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> well, now I feel terrible. That no, <laughs> it happens a lot. Um, what I was going to say is like uh, you're you're touching on Instagram and like they have Instagram Reels and and I I uh, have friends that are like very into that, but Instagram Reels I've had videos take off and get. 10,000, 11,000. I have like a handful that are like in that range on there. And I don't think any of them got me a single follower or didn't start a conversation or, you know, no thumbs up or it's like some likes and stuff. But, uh, you know, and these are technically a lot of the same videos. Um, but it, 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 it's interesting how like their version, it just seems to not even help their own app. And it also doesn't as easily have the subscribe button or the follow button for Instagram just right there. So I'm like, yeah, I, I think I'm done with Instagram reels and I'm like, eh, and I think we're going to just focus on the YouTube shorts more. It seems like a good move. And I, I assume the YouTube shorts stay there. They don't disappear after 24 hours or a week. Yeah. They're, they're part of your channel and your library. Uh, my last little question on, on YouTube shorts before we wrap up is do those videos show up in a different playlist on your main channel? No. So right now they look awkward because they look like I just didn't know what I was doing. Like the thumbnail is very much like a, they, they do it where it's still in the YouTube framing and then you can see black bars on the side. Um, so it's 
clunky that way. And you can upload a thumbnail and I'm playing with that a little bit, but uh, I was, I was worried of uh, some of these other countries maybe, or other places just in the world where maybe they already have the beta app or maybe they already have, yeah, I don't know how it's looking on everyone's phone. So I've been kind of just leaving it as is and not really uh, doing that. But, but yeah, when you go to my YouTube channel, you can just, it just looks like I, yeah, he uploaded a video from his phone, you know? <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah. Well, and you helped us out a lot today. There's already things I'm trying to, to take from this and put to use. And I'll make sure I, I'll, uh, I'll transcribe this full interview, shoot it to you so you can use it for anything you want. Awesome. And also put the full interview on the show notes and include the links that we'll, we'll talk about now. So Zach's got a few things he can do for you. First off, go to YouTube, search Zach Lyman, L-Y-M-A-N, subscribe to what he's doing, and you can see this stuff pop up in your YouTube feed daily as he learns the system. You'll be learning watching a guy learn, so there's no better thing than that. Uh, so give him a subscribe and a follow. And then for the tip sheet for the Facebook ads, um, you can either send me a link that I'll put in. Uh, yeah. If there's an easy way for them to find it on your website, though, feel free to mention that as well. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll send you a link. Uh, I don't have like a. Uh, it literally the ebook just came out the other day, so I don't have like a short link to give you. But uh, yeah, it'll be in the show notes, or you know, you can see it on on my social media. I've been posting about it since it's so new. Um, so yeah, there's that. Very good. And then if you want to listen to his podcast, which I don't know why you wouldn't after hearing him on this podcast, <laughs> uh, you can go to ZachLymanPodcast.com and he's got uh, several. I mean, how many episodes are you into now? You don't number them. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know at this point. Uh, probably 70 episodes in okay. or so. That's yeah. Cool. That's cool. And he covers a lot of topics. Uh, and if you're a new comic, you know, he's got plenty of information for you in there. And he's got some great interviews with some others too, as well, solo episodes. So uh, get to know Zach Lyman, everybody. And uh, shoot, are you on Twitter as well? Yeah, at Zach Lyman. All right. So it's Z-A-C-K-L-Y-M-A-N. Follow him on Twitter. Give him a little message. Say, hey, dude, I heard you on the podcast. Good information. Thanks a lot. And uh, I'm sure you'll learn more from Zach down the road. Zach, it's been a great time catching up. I know you started listening to the podcast way back, way yeah. back when. Yeah. I, I Yeah. So thank you so much for having me because I, yeah, I was telling you, I, I think I found the podcast when you're three episodes in maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I started it from zero. I was like, all right, let's listen all the way through, you know? So yeah, very, very happy to to be on the show. Um, So thank you so much, Rick. That's great. If, if I can ever help you out with your podcast or anything, let me know for sure. And I'll return the favor. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Zach. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zach Lyman. I sure did. So much so that I'm going to jump on his podcast here pretty soon, and uh, and we'll just talk, me and Zach. I like uh, I like how he goes about his business, and he's smart, so why not, right? Let's get some stuff going, man. Hey, don't forget that Business of Comedy Seminar virtual Zoom workshop is coming up January 23rd, 1 to 4 p.m. Shoot me an email, schooloflast at gmail.com. I can send you a link to do all the business part of getting signed up. And outside of that, again, thanks to Ray Price sponsoring us through Patreon. Club 52, folks, if you missed the Zoom hangout we did last Sunday, you can go to patreon.com and check right there where we post stuff. And you can download or watch the video, the recorded video from that discussion. Lots of good information and uh, lots of good people on that call. And lastly, don't forget, Zach offered that free download, his ebook. I downloaded it. 
It's nice, it's well put together, and it's got the information he promised right there. So you can go to schooloflast.com and click on this episode, 232. Look for the download link in there, and you can go and pick that up and apply that. Learn how to do some Facebook ads, learn how to market, where to put the pixel, about your YouTube shorts, all that jazz. And speaking of YouTube, hey, have you gone to the School of Last YouTube channel lately? We're kind of starting to build it back up again. In fact, you can watch this entire interview with Zach Lyman on the School of Last YouTube channel. Check it out. Get over there. Do the right thing. I'm going to leave you with a couple of jokes I did last week. And uh, we'll just play that now, and then we'll be done. Take care. Peace out. I hope you all are sticking to your New Year's resolutions. You guys doing good on that so far? I'm doing so far. I've done mine, my part on my resolution. Mine was to not storm the Capitol and destroy private property. So I'm crushing it. So far, I have not broken that at all. They're IDing these people on video, and some of them are getting fired from their jobs, which I find hard to believe that they had jobs, these people. I mean, come on, what are they doing? It's craziness. I get it, some people are super fans and you get mad when there's change, but listen, I love Barney Fife, when he wasn't there in season four, I didn't storm the Mayberry Courthouse and light some kerosene cucumbers on fire and chuck them at Warren, you know? You just gotta let it go. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.